Welcome everyone to Poke Rogue, a Pokemon trading card game podcast where we talk about the decks that are not being played. My name's Nick, and with me is my co-host. What's up, guys? It's Austin. Today is March 28th, 2022, and we're going to get into our 36th episode. So here we are, man, recording a few days early. A few days early. So why don't you tell the world why we're recording a few days early? Uh, my wife and I are expecting our second daughter any day now. I mean, um, she's over in the other room, so we got to... Could happen in there. Who knows? Could, could at any time. So you know what? Austin was like, I can't record this episode from a hospital. And my <laughs> wife would probably kill me. It's like she's screaming and in the background you hear her giving birth and you're just like recording from your phone in a Zoom conference. Yeah. It would be a pretty horrible audio quality. but uh, <laughs> That would be the least of your worries. But, yeah. <laughs> but we want to, uh, you know, we still want to get the episode out. So... So yeah, we're here. You know, we got a we got a solid episode together. So what's been going on in the last couple days since we recorded our last episode? Just hung out, um, checking out at work. Um, in the military, you have to like it's this very extensive checkout process where you have mm-hmm. like a long list of people you need to go and talk to so they can get you out of certain systems and put into others as you transition to your next place of duty. So I've been doing that. I should have this done probably several weeks ago, but um, it's been really busy. So got it all done today, feeling pretty good, and um, ahead on my homework and just ready for the baby to come. And in the meantime, I've been playing some Pokemon and some Minecraft and some Pokemon and some more Minecraft. And my, <laughs> I've been staying up till like 3 a.m. every yeah. Like I'll start out with Pokemon, you know, and then I'll finish off the evening with yeah. a nice, nice amount of Minecraft. Nice, nice. A copious amount of Minecraft <laughs> with some Pokemon sprinkled in Yeah, there. I haven't seen you in the in the Limitless tournaments at night, so I figured you were doing the Minecraft. Hey, <laughs> you know, sometimes I'm I'm back and forth. They're my two yeah. they're they're my two mistresses mistresses in this in this life. And you know, sometimes you just one one smells a little bit better than the other some days and Minecraft, yeah. Minecraft has just been just slightly more appealing. Yeah. Um, but that's mostly just because Pokemon requires a lot of me, and with a baby on the way, requires a lot of attention. You know, like it, that's true. It's like a suckling toddler. It's that definitely never goes away. a it's definitely a game that you have to commit a lot of yourself to 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 do it well and to keep up with the constant change of the meta and everything else. Yeah, it would be much easier if we just said, "Hey, what's the top performing deck? Net decked and played it." Right. To be honest, then our life would be fucking easy. And that's something, too, that's crazy, too, and this is a conversation about our wives that are in the other room. She was always like, why do you always, like, why are you always so persistent on keeping up with it? And why are you, you know, like, why do you feel like you always have to be playing? And not like I have to be playing, yeah. but, like, why why do you make a conscious effort to at least play at least every other evening? And it's because yeah. you have to stay relevant with the game, you yeah. know, because you become obsolete. And not that you can't bounce back from it, but you really... It's so like stay, starting over. It's yeah, like pretty much. Like when, when I, I took a couple weeks off at one point, came back and like the whole fucking thing had changed. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't playing right when Brilliant Stars came out because I didn't have most of the cards. I didn't pull any RCS or anything from my packs. And it was like, man, I had other, I went away to do tournaments and stuff, came back two weeks had gone and it was a whole new meta. Yeah. Everything's different. I had to just start from scratch and build new decks. And Right. And there's nothing wrong with that. So, you know, like I've been playing with Arceus and just staying relevant with the mechanics of it. So when my time does, when the time does come after the babies come out and 
I can dedicate more time to Pokemon. I'm I'm still relevant. I'm not starting from square one, but how have you been, man? You've been uh, you've been kind of taken over as the Pokemon player of the two. <laughs> yeah, so I got you know I took a three day weekend, took a took Monday off, so I wasn't like you know crunched. Oh, I got to get to bed and get to work and stuff like that. So I played in a tournament every night for the last three nights, one Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Oh, wow. And I played it with our rogue deck of this week, which we'll discuss in a bit. And in every one of these tournaments, I performed very well. Took two top cuts out of the three tournaments Mm -hmm. with our brand new rogue deck. So cool to jump back into the... Jump back into playing and taking an idea that we talked about in our last episode... And actually just building it and making it work, at least for the time being, until the meta shifts again. Yeah, pretty cool to see an idea come to fruition. And like you said, I think you found a good niche, obviously, and it's performed pretty well. Have you talked about that? Yeah, so as I just said, like it's the the first tournament I did on Friday, I was one win away from a possible top cut. But then the two days after were top cuts twice in a row. Mm-hmm. Uh, the day uh saturday was a top 16 i actually won my first best of three that's two in a row and in the top 16 so it advanced on to the top eight eight, and it just got paired against i believe a rapid strike deck and i'm playing a single um a a single prizer deck so there you know there was nothing to really stop that and then in uh last night's on sunday i went to the top eight top cut so it was a harder top cut to make it into but unfortunately got paired against the one deck that i have no answer to which is a duraladon v max deck there's just no way for me to get around it because of the special energies i play which we'll talk about that later but you know there's a couple just like random decks that it can't play against but they're not heavily played decks okay so you cut your losses and you accept that there's a few matches you 100% basically will lose, mm-hmm. but the main bulk of the meta is nearly 100% win. Dude, I have to applaud you. You're talking very extensively about this road deck of the week without disclosing it. And let's just let's just let's just stop everyone from wondering and uh, let's <laughs> let you roll into it, man. Okay. So what you got Let, for us this Let's week? get into the road deck of the week. I went rogue, I just had no hope, I really had to let shit go, had to rise, I won't boast till I find my pot of gold. Alright man, so you've dropped some hints, last week we were talking about dark and fighting single types, you were dropping some hints about some special energy, how you don't have an answer to Duraludon, and then also that you know you're playing single prizers, so let's give our listeners three seconds to try to guess what kind of deck you're playing. One, two three what you got a baby single strike deck (laughs) so we talked about in our last episode that when i did the meta analysis i said the the current state of the meta seems like a perfect place to play single prize decks and specifically dark and fighting combinations and then as we analyzed what cards were available to meet this criteria we came across a bunch of single strike pokemon that were both dark and fighting that could counter the bulk of the meta so i started looking at what decks did i want to beat i wanted to be arceus i wanted to be gengar i wanted to be mew and i wanted to have at least a fighting chance against a potential jolteon here and there but that's a lot of fighting you know a lot of fighting decks and then we got mew weak to dark so what i came up with is a single strike deck that utilizes a combination of more Pekos, Viper, and Stonejourner mm-hmm. as your main attackers to 
basically plow through the bulk of the meta. Oh, I forgot one that I kind of discovered along the way. When I built this deck, I didn't imagine Malamar being like an easy win for me. Yeah. But I have discovered through playing this deck that I have a hundred percent win against eight Malamars in limitless tournaments. Oh my gosh. So like not not like on the ladder newbie Malamars, like a hundred percent win against Malamar in every limitless tournament I've done. So it actually is a great against Malamar. So you're talking about taking down Mew, Malamar, Gengar, and Arceus as okay. like four excellent matchups for this deck. And sometimes Jolteon. And sometimes Jolteon, just based on the speed. So the name I'm going with, I'm going to give credit to uh, Sore Thumb Collector because he came up with this brilliant name for... And he actually kind of had this initial idea of pairing some single strike babies together. Uh-huh. And he came up with the name All the Single Babies. <laughs> <laughs> so i talked to him like hey man can i use that name it's it's like literally the best possible name i think you could have come up with for this deck and he was like yeah man you can use the name for the deck so i'm going with all the single babies it's the perfect name and what we're doing here is we got one crobat v four hound door three more peko one Viper, four hound doom with that uh, single strike roar ability, four stone journer single strike, one Lumineon, Lumineon V. Mm-hmm. Those are our Pokemon. So what we're basically doing as far as the Pokemon go, we got more Peko, who we've built the deck around this guy before, but basically he has an attack for one dark energy that does 30 damage times the number of damage counters on him. So if you have four damage counters on him, he has 50 HP, so that's the most you could go. You're at 120, and if you're stacking two single strike energies to get those four damage counters, mm-hmm. he's going to be up to a 160 attack. So against Mew, that hits him at 320, which is a one shot on your Mew matchups. The other benefit with more Peko is just one single strike roar, putting one uh, energy on him for two damage counters makes more Peko a one shot against any Malamar. So Malamars are knocked out with just one energy. Mews are knocked out with two energy. So pretty great there. Yeah. Besides that, we also have our Hound Dooms, which are used for single strike roar. But Hound Doom is a valid attacker against Malamar matchups because for its 50 damage attack, one dark, one colorless, if you have attached one single strike to it, it puts it to 70, which knocks out Malamars for 140. Another viable attacker. Next up, we have Stone Journer as a pretty solid attacker. He's got his first attack, which is one fighting, one colorless. It does 30 damage, but does 30 more if there's a stadium in play. So that quickly becomes 60 because we're going to be playing, as I discussed later, we're going to be playing a lot of stadiums here uh, to really utilize our single strike ability with that Tower of Darkness. So... That attack quickly accelerates into 100 because you're going to hit him with two single strike energy quite often, plus the 60 with the base damage of that attack, putting you to 100. Now, if you don't have the two single strike, you're hitting for 80, but that's still a pretty solid attack because weakness against Arceus, you can set him up for a two shot possibly, or just even Jolteons, things like that, pretty good. But with the 100, it can also one shot a Jolteon. Yeah. Which is pretty nice. So you can just, for two energy, one-shot a Jolteon, which is another solid move. Now, the big move, which matters for Stone Journer, is that Giga Hammer, which is 120 base damage, 
two fighting, one colorless. During your next turn, you can't use Ginga Hammer. Now, yeah, that's costly, but you're going to single strike Roar onto this guy to single strike energy, mm-hmm. potentially to meet that cost, which is going to bump it up to 160. 160 times two against any of your weakness matchups is once again... 320 and if it's not a weakness matchup who cares you hit 160 so you're setting it up for a two-shot matchup it's a deck that consistently relies on two shots or one shot for weakness now we have one special little guy in here who closes out a lot of games and really makes your opponents fucking rage and that is Viper single strike Viper has this really fucking cool attack it's too dark one colorless it does 90 damage plus 90 more damage if you've played a single strike supporter this turn. And how this is going to work and why he's so clutch is that puts you up to a 180 base. Now you're going to be using a couple single strike energies. Let's say you have two single strike energies. That puts you up to 200, 220. And then you're going to close it out with our special girl Karen's Conviction for 100 at the end of the game to get your Viper to a solid 320 knockout against any matchup. Not even the, like, you don't even need the weakness. You don't even need the weakness. So you can use it in a weakness matchup, but Viper can also just fucking close out a game for three prizes really easily. And even if you don't have, you know, the Karen... It can sometimes close out the game for a two prize V because 180 with 20 plus 20 is 220, which takes out every V mm-hmm. in the game as well. So you can use it to close out Vs. You can use it to close out an Arceus V right at the start because that's a bulky HP yeah. regular basic V. So lots of cool things there. We got Crobat V for that dark asset ability to draw until we have six cards in hand. This is a card that you play these when you need to, but you don't want to have to rely on playing a Crobat because you want to make them have to knock out six Pokemon. So you're going to try your best to not play Crobat if you can get away, but if you see a Donk possibility, you may play a Crobat if it means that you could definitely get something set up and get a quick win. But often I try to not play Crobat. We have one Lumineon V, Using this one, shit is rough, and we need a supporter quickly. We can use its ability to search for a supporter. But we also find, oh, I find myself using this card a lot to close out the game, to grab a boss's orders and win, mm-hmm. to take one last knockout. So it's it's often just my my clutch win card for the very end. Yeah, you just quick ball and, you know, grab right. your boss or even grab your Karens. There's, there's a lot of ball yeah. searching here, which I'll discuss as I go over these trainers next. So there's lots of possibilities to get this Lumineon V out when you need it to win the game. So looking at our trainer cards, we got one Karen's Conviction, as I talked about, to close out your game. One Palpad to get some important things like Karen back in the deck for late game. You know I love Palpad. Mm-hmm. I love pitching supporters I don't need early yeah. game and putting them back in for late. So some common things I'll pitch early might be a Karen or a Bruno mm-hmm. and then put them back in at the end when I need Viper. Or get that boss if you're really desperate. Yeah, if I have to get rid of some bosses early. So besides that, we got three Tower of Darkness because we can discard a uh, single strike Pokemon from hand and draw two cards. That's great draw support. Three, uh, sorry, four Quick Ball because we got a lot of basics to grab. Four Professor's Research. We got to get through this deck pretty fast and there's a lot of shit we can get rid of. Two Bruno. We do need some Brunos because, you know, they're going to knock out our single prizers and it lets you shuffle your hand into your deck and draw seven if a, po- if a Pokemon was knocked out. 
It's also really good for setting up your Seviper so that its attack can do a boosted amount of damage. Three, Ultra Ball, because, you know, we're, we want to grab whatever we want. So this is a deck where I'm not relying on things like Level Ball and Incense. Mm -hmm. I removed all these specialized type of Ball Search cards and opted for the most flexible cards. So Ultra Ball can grab me any Pokemon, Quick Ball can grab me any Basic, but Ultra Ball can also, in a pinch, grab me a Basic. It can grab right. me Lumineon, can grab me Crobat. So Which are Hound Dooms as well. And the Hound Dooms, exactly. So it's just a flexible card that works in this deck. Here's the next one. Four Battle VIP Pass. Because <laughs> this is like a turbo get it set up turn one. I have found myself consistently getting at minimum three to four Pokemon out on my first turn. You just need one. Because you just need one Battle VIP Pass. Sometimes you fucking, you get one in your starting hand and you're golden. And then you play a research because you're going second and you hit another one. Yeah. The amount of games where you set up like six Pokemon and just have your whole game set up is really high because of Battle VIP Pass. So this is a card that 100% has been a solid choice for this deck. Next up, we got three copies of Marnie because it's good to disrupt their hand. Obviously, shuffling your hand to the bottom of the deck, them drawing only four, you don't want them just piling their hand on forever, and you can get away with having less cards because you have your stadium in play as well and a lot of stuff you can pitch to utilize it. For Urn of Vitality, this is super important because we're going to plow through our single strike energies with these costly attacks, and we're going to have to keep shuffling them back in. When I first built my initial iteration of this deck during playtesting, I only had three of these and found this biting myself in the ass at the end of the game where I just needed one more time to shuffle it back in. So I opted for the four. And it's been a great choice. You know, if you could have five, that would be even better. <laughs> but <laughs> we're not playing that kind of game. Next up, we got two bosses' orders. Get those gusts where you need them. Take out some important stuff that they try to, you know, if you miss your one shot, you're going to want to pick up that VMAX or something later. Two switches. We need some switching in case you don't get the card that you need out. You know, they try to gust up like a hound doom or something, yeah. hoping that you're stalled behind that two energy requirement. But, you know, these switches come in play late in the game. It can help you. It also helps you if you get stuck with like a crowbat in your starting hand or as you're active. Energy, we're playing nine energy in the deck. Two of them are uh, fighting energy, just regular fighting energy. We have three hiding energy. Those are the energy that give dark Pokemon free retreat. So, more flexibility because we get lots of pivots. What I love doing is I'll use one of these hiding energies on a Houndoom, or if I have a Crobat, something like that out, and I'll just use it as a consistent pivot. Every time they knock something out, I move the Houndoom up with the hiding energy, and then lets me try to set up something that's important on the bench. If, they, if I'm set up and can make the attack, just retreat that Houndoom mm -hmm. and let them do the attack. And it acts as a potential attacker or threat too, right. or, or a target at that point. You exactly. Know? Yeah. And sometimes I'll do that. Like if I have a Crobat on the bench, I might purposely put the hiding energy on the Houndoom because I want them to target that Houndoom. Maybe they have three Houndoom out. I'd rather lose a Houndoom than a Crobat. So I'd rather kind of manipulate my opponent into thinking that they should boss the Houndoom with the energy mm -hmm. as opposed to the Crobat with the pivot. All right, all right. Real quick, and I, I, we'll, keep, we'll keep going through the list. Let's say you're playing in real life and you're about to attach that hound, hiding energy to a, a Houndor. How would you do it? How animated? How would you do it in a special way to try to, to, try to bait them? 
if I was gonna so you do that scenario, but when real life, and so that's your that's your hiding energy. You're about to attach to the hound door, lucky tight. Would you do any special technique? I mean, I may even just say like, okay, I can set that up so I have a pivot. I might even call out why I'm doing it. Yeah, <laughs> just to fuck with them. Like I'll even say pivot, and I'm literally saying it just because I want them to understand. Like this is clearly here as a pivot option. There you go. And it's not like. Knocking out a Houndoom is not good, but what often players don't realize is I don't need three Houndoom to make this deck work. Mm -hmm. I need two Houndoom. Yeah. Getting three is good because I have one that's disposable, and then I can use it to manipulate their actions, but this is really a two Houndoom deck to make it work. And then so the last card I didn't discuss, four single strike energy, of course, and for those who don't know, single strike energy give you 20 extra damage. They can only be attached to single strike Pokemon, but pretty much every attacker in here with the exception of crobat is a and lumineon is a single strike pokemon so they can utilize that nice so yeah pretty high energy count other single prize decks i've seen usually rely more on just a single strike energy and hope to keep pulling them out but i found that i want to have lots of energy not just single strike because I want to be able to attach energy from hand mm -hmm. and use my single strike roars. So the way I typically play this is I'll use single strike roars onto Morpeko because Morpeko relies on having damage counters, mm -hmm. but I'll set up some um, manual attachments onto my stone journer who might be on the bench or I'll set up a manual attachment like a hiding dark energy onto either a Seviper because he could use it for the late game. Mm -hmm. Or onto a Houndoom. So those guys that don't need to have the extra damage counters, I won't put them on it. Positive thing I didn't mention about Houndoom, for those who aren't aware, he's 130 HP. Do you know why 130 HP is super important, Austin? You cannot uh, one-shot it with the G-Max Rapid Flow. There you go. It's a super crucial number. If you can avoid putting damage counters on a Houndoom, that's a good thing to do. Same thing with Stone Journer. He's also a pretty tanky HP. I believe he's 130, 140, something like that. Drawing a blank right now. I'll get him back out. 130, there we go. I know he's in that number where he's not being just one-shotted by G-Max Rapid Flow. Those are, that little extra bit, man, is so useful. Yeah. So, so useful. You just have so to be careful when you, you have to manually attach on. Even, it, so. man, I've had Malamar matchups where Malamar fails to knock it out because I think Malamar is doing 40 and they'll just have like one card to discard or something and they'll yeah. just go like 40, 80 and miss it, you know? <laughs> That's crazy. Weird, yeah, weird required, shit like I mean, that. It still requires four, which is crazy, you know? Not crazy, but that's hard. That's a lot of conditions. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, because the, yeah, the grass. Yeah, you're getting yeah. the four and that's just... yeah. Yeah, that's the other thing to point out. Stone Drenner's fighting, but he is a grass weakness. He's not a psychic weakness, so that's that's pretty positive. Yeah, for the time You have a lot of positive things here. Same thing with your Morpeko. Mm -hmm. He's also, I believe, a grass weakness. Your uh, your Houndooms, I think, are also grass. Yeah, you're all weak to grass here. I have my dark, I have the dark Yeah, page yeah, you have page open. open. So it's, it's very relevant. I'm just not getting hit by these weaknesses. You know, they're having to work hard to knock them out because that extra little 10... And yeah, so so far the results have sp spoken for themselves. Like I said, two top cuts using this deck, playing against all these big, heavy-hitting, expensive decks. It feels really good. It's a fun deck to play. You're going to have to really manage resources and plan a long game. This is a game that your micro-actions at the beginning will definitely impact your late game because you have to constantly be choosing, like, if you have a Marnie versus a Professor, when do you play it? Can you burn an urn right now? Will you be able to come back from it? And the way to know, you better be searching that deck and taking inventory all the time. This is an inventory deck because, like, 
Sometimes you have to choose to burn resources, so you better know that you have enough to get through the game because you're going to be doing a lot of attacks to potentially win. I like it, yeah, and it's it's a it's a concept that we covered a long time ago with the scaly bear, and it was just kind of, but that's a totally different meta. So this is a totally different deck. What I like about it is it's a trimmed down version of that because you're not relying on the uh, the stage one um, Earth Shingle Strike Baby Earth food to do your primary attacking. So you found a really viable way to have relevant numbers for basic Pokemon, allowing you more flexibility. And it's not, a, a hair, I dare say it, but Kamikaze Morpeko, I think that's what we call yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. That one was really good, but you had to work so hard for such a finicky Pokemon that had, like, it was like a glass yeah, cannon. It, so it, it had to do that. And it's, the problem with Morpeko, too, is it's susceptible to quick shooting. Yeah. So when you get these matchups with quick shooters, my version, all the single babies, you can pivot into Stone Journers and Hound Dooms and not leave these these really fragile targets on the bench. You have to know when to adjust your play style. And this deck gives you plenty of adjustments with things like Saviper and things like Stonejourner. I will say I've seen people try to make similar types of decks and they opted, I think for an obsolete fighting type single prize. I see a lot of people opting for Hitmonchan. Hitmonchan cannot hit the relevant numbers. You need to take out an Arceus with a big charm. It can hit big. Easily, it can hit big. Really easily. But it, that's the thing, right? Hitmonchan is easier to hit, but Hitmonchan can't hit the numbers unless you stack tons and tons of single strike energy on it. And at that point, you're better off using Stone Journer. It also has less HP, I believe. I think it's 110. So while I've seen lots of people try to build with that card, it's just not hitting. Arceus is so tanky, man. With a big charm on it, it's a 310 HP V-Star. Man. You need to hit 160, even with weakness. And things like Hitmonchan can't. And there was others I had looked at, too, and explored. They just couldn't hit the kind of numbers. Mm -hmm. But I think this combo works well. And originally, it started as just more Peko and Stonejourner going 4-4. But then I found myself needing that quick 220 attack that only Saviper could give me. And I needed someone with a possibility of 320 at the end. And that was Saviper as well. Now, you don't want a bunch of Savipers. You want to save that Saviper for when it matters because your opponents are caught off guard. Yeah. When you Saviper Karen at the end for 320, mm -hmm. they, they're like, what the fuck? They send you that little face. <laughs> That's <laughs> like that stunned face thing that they yeah. send you. This was... And I... <coughs> This hits 50 less than Survivor because Survivor is 80 plus 80, right? If you meet the conditions, so 160 total. 90, 90 plus 90. Oh, 90. Never yeah. mind. I'm just going to put this one in then. I was going to talk about the single strike Evotol from Fusion Strike. Yeah, we'll talk about it because I, I don't think I yeah. looked at this one closely because it was all all dark. So you don't have, yeah, all dark. And for three dark energy, you hit 110, which yeah. is really awesome with the buffs. But you're like you're saying, it is nowhere near Survivor. So yeah, you'd have yeah. to, yeah, because two, two single strike energy attached to it. It, 150 would bump you to 150 so you're hitting 300 which means you're still like right just missing and you don't play you don't play the choice belt just missing the mew on yeah. that one but you know what that is an interesting that's an interesting option though too it would just force people to have to go three single strike energies to get mm. that knockout at the end but you, again though that's only gonna hit weakness matchups which you can hit more peko for 160 like nothing anyways you know yeah. it's not necessarily about your weakness it's about how can you perform against those other decks 
as well because you're going to have to win a couple non-weakness matchups, even though this is aimed at the bulk of the meta, you're going to get some weird shit in there. You're going to get a Del Mize, you know, a fucking yeah. Ray Quaza. And you got to know that you can hit a 320 or something if Without you really weakness. need to. Yeah. So where you lose, you lose to Duraladon VMAX. You just lose. <laughs> the only way to beat Duraladon VMAX is, one, your opponent is really dumb and plays three Arceus. In that case... Shame on them. They deserve to lose. <laughs> or they play one Arceus and you donk it on your first turn. And you just... Yeah. And you just win. Like, they just... They get a shitty start. You maybe Marnium. They can't get it set up. And you dark you donk their one Arceus. That's the only way to beat Duraladon. I have had two tournaments. Well, I've had two Duraladon matchups, though. I will say, out of three limitless tournaments, the total... And there were, you know, top cuts and high match tournaments... The sum of all of them is like near 30 matches, and I've only got paired against Duraladon VMAX twice. So I would say it's not something that comes up that much, but when it comes up, you just lose. You're probably going to lose to Rapid Strike Urshifu, because at the moment, there's nothing to protect your bench. It's just really hard. Yeah, they can't just one-shot your Hound Dooms, but, you know, once they get the quick shooters out, they'll they'll pick it up. And he's just a little too tanky at 330 HP. I fucking hate that card. Yeah. No, busted, man. Should be 320. Why does he get 330? I don't know. There's no fucking fairy, fairies to put it at bay, man. It's fucking annoying. You're, you're, I'm talking about Rapid Strike Urshifu right now. Oh, you're still oh. bitching about Duraladon VMAX. Duraladon fucking... <laughs> Uh, on VMAX has so many other matches, though, that it fails, too. But if you accept, you know, you cut your losses, take a few ones you're going to lose, make sure you make good decisions on the bulk of the meta, you should be getting, you know, 60% of your matchups should be favorable for you in a given tournament. So make the other 20%, you know, you're going to lose 20% of your matchups. Just accept it. Like, yep. you're going to lose it. This is what you. This is how you play this deck. The matchups you're supposed to win, you win them 100% of the time. Yep. The matchups that are iffy, you know, the other remaining 40% of the meta share, go ahead and win half of that 40. If you do, you're going to top cut with this deck every time. Yep. And, it, you know, and just hope Duraladon, you don't get paired against Duraladon. And if so, whatever, fuck it. You know, yeah, you're still making, you're making top eight out of a tournament on Limitless playing this. And you're going to get people pissed off who are playing, you know, the more standard meta decks when they lose to this deck. So it's pretty fun. <sighs> All right, man. Well, I like the deck. I like the concept. It seems like you have a pretty refined, like you've said before, you went with the hyper-consistent route. If need be, if things get really fucking crazy, you could put the man fee in there and cut the hyper-consistency. Yeah. If that means... that's only, But that's only if you're going to see Rapid Strike come up towards like 10% of the match. Yeah, it's got to be pretty high for us to do that. But sweet, man. Well, I think it's time to get into some misplays and mishaps. Let's do it. Because you already fucked up, man. You can't fuck up something that's already fucked up. Okay, man, how'd you fuck up? Jazz, you want to say something? What? Jazz just brought in this. This is a fucking ridiculous looking cheese platter. That we'll she put just. It on the Discord. No, that will yeah, be on we're, we're going to take a picture of this and post this on the Discord. The this chocolate is. chocolate hummus I'm going to bring in. Also, do you guys want apple wine? Yes. Okay. Yes, this is fucking crazy. Okay, I'm taking a picture here. <laughs> All Austin, right, man. Uh, smile. <laughs> you know, here's another misplay and mishap, man. And so before we get into it, I was sitting here, I was showing you. Here, we'll do this picture right here. 
I was showing you, I was like, dude, I got these Ice Red Akelyrex Vs for a really good deal. I was just flipping through our binder when we were talking about the Rogue deck of the week. Yeah. And I happened across it, and now I just realized I have eight motherfucking copies of Ice Rider Calyrex V. What? You had you bought them before? And forgot about it, yeah. Oh, damn. Well, at least your misplay only cost you, like, maybe... Four bucks. Yeah, four dollars or whatever extra. Yeah, so maybe I'll just make a rogue deck that doesn't even use the VMAX. Just fucking go for the Vs, because <laughs> I've got the damn cards. But anyway... Back at the topic of a hand, the misplay mishap, or the second one, I guess, man, I'm, I'm just fucking up a lot here. You're just, you're distracted by this fucking platter. I am, and, you know, and you know, I mean, I just want to eat this cheese, but now it's my segment here. Yeah, it's you just, gotta wait, man. I'm gonna just, just let me chew on it oh, while you wait. You, you, <laughs> asshole. you know what? Um, these, I got four, uh, I got four bull bees for your fucking uh, garage sale now. <laughs> but anyway, my misplay mishap. I was playing in the same event that you played in when you were, you know, uh, testing all the single babies. I was just using the Gardevoir VMAX with Arceus, and it was my second game, and I was going against a Gengar Arceus build. And so the game was going really well. Um, I was healing, I was stalling, and I, I got to a point where my opponent had no cards in hand. He had a pretty thin, I would say, optimal deck. Like, you could tell he was tactically, like, basically, like, getting rid of all the resources he didn't need at the time or he found relevant, and I was healing, playing Sharon's Care and all that shit just to basically keep him at bay. But it came down to a point where we had exhausted all of our resources in our hands and basically came down to top deck mode. I top decked a boss, and at this point in the game, I only needed to knock out one of his Pokemon. He had an Arceus V-Star and a Gengar V-Max on the bench, and I top deck a boss. Keep in mind that the basically his Arceus is loaded up and it's going to hit me. But even if he knocks me out, I still it's not enough for him to take the prize. So basically what the segment is to boss or not the boss. I'm holding it. I have nothing else. I basically have the option to play the card. If I hit into the Arceus, I mm-hmm. knock and then I hit into it again, I knock it out and win. I have I have a prepared secondary attacker to take the clean up the damage and knock out the Arceus. Yeah. Though, if he's in top deck mode, if I boss out the Gengar, he can no longer attack me. And basically has to find another resource to keep and basically guaranteeing the win. Yeah. So that was what I opted to. Get the Gengar, kind of stall, and knock out and get what I need eventually. Though the other option would be not the boss, hit the Arceus. Even if he retreats, I still have the boss, bring it out, and knock it out. So it's like, do I keep the boss in the hand to get the same results with a slightly different outcome? Something else I didn't want to say was I was trying to play this event without playing, looking at my opponent's deck list. Mm. Just to, you know, kind of get practice for when, you know, real life play comes back in. And that's another misplay in itself, but... Definitely I, because he can look at yours, so, right. yeah, it's clear, clear disadvantage. So, right, and it is a disadvantage, but I was just trying to challenge myself. So, anyway, I boss it. And, I mean, it was not necessarily a misplay, but he managed to find a Marnie. Mm-hmm. And off the Marnie, he found a switch. And, yeah, just, you know, basically, marnie me back, you know, and it gave me more cards, but then I used my remaining boss and basically you know just gave him the opportunity so basically the mishap was so there was no way to then two shot that the rcs you're saying right that was the play you you should have gone right, with. there was no so basically the rcs came back and he was started taking so then he got the prize advantage that i thought i previously had yeah and so and i no longer had the boss available to me because i used it on the gengar yeah and that was kind of the misplay it, there was a reason to it to kind of solve and yes he did top deck what basically he needed but that was kind of the the, the concept there so but yeah, I guess if you were stalling, where's your win condition there? Did you expect him to deck out? I was just basically being able to, basically where he couldn't knock me up, and mm-hmm. I would just guarantee, just get the boss there, 
and make it where you had to find one more thing. Yeah. And, and so it was like it had some merit, I think, mm-hmm. based on the knowledge that I didn't have any access to his deck list. Also, something I was worried about. I finished this cheese pipe. <laughs> something else I was worried about without looking at his deck list. I assumed he had a copy of Sharon's Care. So I would have much rather hit the Gengar, something that he couldn't scoop up and get the damage back out. So I wasn't looking at his deck list and I wasn't privy to that knowledge. So just kind of a conversation of when it would be more appropriate to boss and when it wouldn't be. So what would you kind of do in that scenario? Probably look at the deck list. Yeah, definitely started by looking at the deck list because I'd want to take inventory of how many switches he plays, how many Mm -hmm. cards are left in deck and predict the chance of that switch being there. Yeah. Um, next, though, I mean, if you see a path to victory by knockout, yeah. and if the Arceus is his viable attacker that he has to move up, I would rather damage the thing that could potentially attack me back so that if it does attack me, I can then, you know, retaliate and win the game that way. Yeah. So I would I would definitely go for the thing that is both a threat and a win condition at the same time. Good. So you wouldn't, you wouldn't go for the stall tactic in that scenario? No. Because he didn't have the to. stall tactic. I personally, I don't go for stall tactics unless I see no other path to victory, or I've looked at their list and I know that is the path to victory. Well, but stall. I mean, just the amount of turns you have to get through. <laughs> you might just run out of time. You know, like it's very likely that they're going to stall you out and kill the time playing aimless actions, and that you might not get the stall victory in this. You know, in the online sphere. So, yep. Yeah. I've just been fucking up a lot. I purchased <laughs> four unnecessary coppers of Ice, Ice Rider Calyrex V. I decided not to look at my opponent's deck list for a challenge that <laughs> I didn't need. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, just basically fucked up and bossed at the wrong time. So the kind of the the way to recover from this or to, the lesson learned is, I don't know the saying, like a bird in the hand is worth is worth more than two in the bush. Mm-hmm. I'd rather have the boss after I hit it. That way I could guarantee it, or at least Marnie, at least know there was hope to get it back out at that point in time. Wait, so wait, I'm, I'm not understanding this. You could have hit it without even using the boss at first? Like I could have hit the Arceus. Well, then why the fuck wouldn't you do that? Because I was playing under the assumption that maybe he played Sharon's Care because I didn't look at his deck list. I don't want to hear it. So he just maybe happens to have the Sharon's Care in his hand in that moment. How big was his hand? He didn't have a hand. We are both in top deck mode. What the fuck? You you took the you took the assumption that he might top deck the one copy of Sharon's care that he might be playing. Instead of like, well, what if he top decks the professor? He could get seven cards, but you know what he's not getting? A Sharon's care because he already played a supporter. So all he's getting is like a switch, which then you boss him and win. I was fucking going for it, man. <laughs> It's fucking just living, living young, wild, and free, and fuck. Yeah, I was like, what? What are you afraid of? What could he? Just maybe Sharon's care. Well, you think you're so cool. Do you have? Do you own eight copies of Ice Calyrex V? I don't. I don't. So, really, who's the real winner here, man? You are a winner. In some, in someone's eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, man, let's move on to don't be a dick. Welcome, everybody, to the Don't Be a Dick segment. When we talk about all the ways you can not piss off your opponent when playing Pokemon. So before you want to blame your loss on a bad hand or a boss's orders or a meme deck, 
All right, man. So I've read the notes. And what I'm going to do is I'm just going to kick back. I'm going to eat this cheese and pineapple <laughs> and sip on my apple wine. <laughs> and I'm just going to let you go for it, man. Yeah. So let's go. For okay. It. So this week's segment of Don't Be a Dick is called Professional Limitless Dicks. And it's about a, a certain player who's quite known on both the limitless scene as well as the in real life play, <clears throat> Evan Campbell, who got his ass handed to him by this week's Rogue Deck of the Week. But he could not graciously accept his loss. With one remaining prize in the game, he turns the game over, having left a quick shooting and Oh, he, sorry, he moves a quick shooting Inteleon into the active spot and he bosses up my Houndoom with no energy into the active. And he thought he was so slick that I had committed my single strike energies to my benched Pokemon and he thought, I'm stuck in a stall. I'm not going to get that Houndoom out of the active. I can't win. Not to mention the Houndoom wouldn't even be able to knock him out. It can't hit enough damage to knock out a quick shooting Inteleon. But this professional player forgot about the Sviper Karen combo. <laughs> a switch from hand, a manual energy attachment, and a Karen later. My Sviper was ready to swing for 280 for game. But before I could click the attack button, he sends me a message in PTCGO saying, What a meme! Then instantly clicked concede before I could attack. After the game, he then immediately dropped. And that was it. Damn. <clears throat> I would just wonder, is it a meme if it beats a professional player? Mm -hmm. Is it a meme if it three times in a row in Limitless Tournaments comes in the top 20% and two times in top cut out of three tournaments? Does that make it a meme? I think we need to have a lesson. Again, the difference between a rogue deck and a meme deck. Yeah. <clears throat> Let's go at it. A meme deck is something that's off the cuff. It's driven at its core, has some kind of gimmick, right, that drives it. That makes it fun, fun to play with. It's not commonly played. It's not a commonly played card or deck, but what allows it, what makes it cool, is it is kind of rogue by association. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't have a purpose. It is there just to be there to have fun. Right. To like exist based on the mechanic. Right. It's there. It's more about the mechanic than it is anything else. And it's there. It does yeah. its job. It wins a couple games. You know, sometimes it'll make it'll make top cut. And it'll it'll turn the world upside down. And all these meta players will not know what the fuck will happen. But while a meme deck can be a rogue deck. A rogue deck cannot be a meme deck, and that's because a rogue deck... A rogue deck is targeted and strategic, and it can perform well against a wide portion of the meta. It's aimed at beating things. It takes strategy. It's flexible as well. Mm -hmm. This is a deck, I just want to say, this is not an easy deck to play. This is a deck that involves lots of resource management. Lots of taking inventory, lots of math, mm -hmm. carefully planned Karens, and it, it's very targeted against all these different matchups. I literally had to go out here and say, how do I beat each of these different matchups? I wrote them all down. 
studied their HPs and figured out what numbers I need for each one to make that possible and make sure I have an answer to the bulk of what I want it to beat. It's not a meme. So Meme would be just more Peco, maybe. I know, I know, I know. And so, Nick, how did it make you feel when this fine motherfucking piece of 60 cards, this product of strategic, strategic calculation at its finest, at its refinement, performing at its peak, how did it make you feel when a fucking professional called it a meme deck? What was your first and initial reaction? Man, I was just like, this dude's a dick. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this dude, and I was recording it too at the point too. So I'm like, I wonder if he realizes how much of a dick he is. And at that moment, I'm like, you know what? I'll say his name live in the episode because I got him on a fucking recording doing it. This is a dude that people are supposed to look up to who comes across, you know, an interesting strategic deck, but can't even acknowledge it because his, in his mind, his own inflated ego is so great that how could he lose to this thing? Meanwhile, he's playing a straight up net deck Malamar. You know, it's like, dude, card for card. Mm -hmm. There's nothing unique about this thing. What makes you this, but then, you know, give a search. Cause I know this name seem familiar and it's like, he's got, you know, his Twitter, where he advertises himself as like a professional player, has his all of his regional accomplishments listed on his social medias. Yeah. We've talked about this type of individual mm. before. We need to win a regional, man. I can't wait to put that on my resume. <laughs> that's, that's the thing it's missing. <laughs> no, I. Um, in all seriousness, if you're going to put yourself out there as an elite player, which we do not, we're just a bunch of assholes that drink apple wine and talk about putting cards in the deck. <laughs> we're, we're, we're decent players. But if you're going to put yourself out there as a professional or as an elite player, or if you are going to hang with the big boys of the coveted professional Pokemon community, you need to have an open mind. Yeah. You need to, you need to, you need to, celebrate these moments of when a rogue deck something that can change the meta or something that is a creative thought and is basically is boosting your community right someone is taking an interest so much so that they deliberately wanted to create their own unique 60 cards whether it be pride to change the game and to add to the overall community and experience of the game if we all played the same fucking four decks it'd be fucking Yu-Gi-Oh. yeah and so we're not, and we that's the thing all these it's often a lot of these deck builders. I remember someone told me this once and it surprised me when I started playing Pokemon. They're like, there's deck builders and then there's players. And they're like, not every player is a good deck builder, but a lot of players who are professional, really good players don't build their decks. Yeah. They said there's pockets of people who just build decks and are satisfied just by the idea of deck creation. And they're satisfied just to see someone play the deck they created and take it to a tournament in reg or a regional or something and win. But it starts with some person out there crafting this deck, theory crafting this thing. And maybe they won't get the credit in the end. Mm -hmm. But someone out there is crafting these decks and they, they go from being nothing to the meta after they perform well. You know? Who, you can guarantee. Who told you this? What? Oh, man. Who was it? I think it was like. One of our local guys. I'm not, not going to say people's names here on our thing. Was it Scott? No, no, no. It wasn't Scott. 
but you know that that is sometimes a thing. Sometimes a lot of these guys actually that we see doing well are not always crafting them. Now we have names in the in the community like Tord that people talk about all the time. He's a fantastic player, but also a great deck builder. He's mm-hmm. very innovative. But sometimes it's like no one takes anyone serious about their innovations until they also become a, regional a great champion. a regional champion, right? <laughs> you can be a non-regional champion, come up with a deck that shifts the meta, but until you become the regional champion, no one's playing it, you know? Yeah. But you know what? If fucking all the single babies wins a limitless tournament i guarantee you at least for that week you're gonna see an increase of people all of a sudden playing this one of deck that only i was playing you know it happened with dark burbs Mm -hmm. it went from nobody played i played one got a second then all of a sudden you have like influx of people playing dark burbs decks on the ladder and on and the limitless tournaments following it so that anyone can change the meta if you create a deck but you know who's not going to change the meta the guy who just plays he doesn't change the meta. Mm-hmm. He follows the meta. Do you want to be a leader or do you want to be a follower? <laughs> <laughs> that pretty much summarizes what this podcast is about. We are fucking leaders <laughs> in the industry. <laughs> Don't you forget it. You heard it here. Well, I think it's time to move on to Would You Like to Battle? Nick, yeah, we make a good team. It's been fun starting this project with you and kind of working <laughs> on your other project. It's been it's been awesome. Um, you've definitely got me out of my comfort zone, and with that, I have to say we make a good team. We keep it so that we we basically keep each other in check. You know, I, I don't know if you've ever done it, but you let me know when, when a rogue deck or an idea sucks, and you said, "No, we're not going to do this for this reason." I do the same. I try to bring you down and say, well, maybe we shouldn't say that. <laughs> maybe we should just, you know, tone it down because it could be offensive. And to that merit, you told me and said, hey, man, I wrote a couple segments. They're pretty edgy. And you know what? <laughs> just this week and in the time frame and the state of the world, I said, I read it. I gave it a good LOL. And I didn't I didn't try to try to tone you down. I'm not holding you back and. You know what? We've always said the gloves are off, but man, this episode, <laughs> the gloves are off. So like I said, I'm going to kick back. I'm going to drink my apple wine. <laughs> I'm just going to let you go for it, man. And if this is the last episode we ever record, shake my hand. <laughs> it was a good run. So it was a good it, run. Okay, so here we are. Would you like to battle? The segment where we talk about the trainers you encounter in real life play, online play. So there are five basic human senses. Touch. Sight, hearing, smell, and taste. The sensing organs associated with each sense send information to the brain to help us understand and perceive the world around us. However, would you believe me if I told you that humans can often identify chronic TCG players using only one sense? Really? What sense? (laughs) Is it? some evolutionary trait to allow TCG players to identify their kin and avoid potential threats? Or is it simply just a lack of basic hygiene? 
You may have guessed it. The only sense needed to identify a chronic TCG player is your sense of smell. (laughs) (laughs) And no, humans are not gifted with 300 million olfactory receptors in their noses like our canine friends. Rather, many TCG players simply just produce a pheromone so pungent, like a combination of wet Taco Bell, sour milk, mixed with garlic. And if for some reason you lack all sense of smell, fear not. You may be able to use your sense of sight to identify these chronic TCG players based on their mirror-like greasy hair and golem-like complexion due to being locked in a dark, dank card shop or basement. If you know a chronic TCG player, lend a helping hand with supplies like deodorant, toothpaste, a bar of soap, A little goes a long way, and if we work together, we can turn card shops into a place where women actually are willing to enter. (laughs) Thank you. This is your public service announcement. (laughs) It had to be said. It's to the point now where I was driving up here and I was telling Hallie, you know, she's in the car this week, (laughs) and it's like, you know... It's cool, you know, COVID's kind of going away. We don't have to wear a mask as much. It's like, though, you know what would be kind of cool is now it's kind of socially acceptable to wear a mask at places. She's like, why would you want to do that? (laughs) To a card shop. Yeah. It's pretty bad. Like, there have been times where it's like, like, you can't help but visibly, like, just cringe at the smells you smell. We went into our local card shop up on Broad. I took my wife there. Go look at some of the quests, picking up some sleeves. She walks in and we leave and she's like, oh, it smells terrible. That's the first thing she said. Yeah. There was only like five people in there. Mm-hmm. And she thought the place just smelled terrible. Everyone's like, why? And that's actually a pretty nice one compared to some the other place we go. But that, yeah, that one's like, nice. oh my gosh, dude. We need to stop this, players. You need to wear deodorant. Mm-hmm. Like just because you play card games doesn't mean you don't have to have basic hygiene. This doesn't doesn't make exempt you, exempt you. Yeah, from the fact that it is courteous not to be smelled within. Like you can't have a fucking six foot radius where people can smell you. Like that's not acceptable. It's not courteous. Be courteous. And maybe it maybe it's a combination of a poor diet and stuff too, producing some type of odor. I don't know, man. But I just want to say this: take care of yourself, exercise. Eat right, wear deodorant, shower, mm-hmm. be a your, human being first. Wash your clothes. Yeah, wash your clothes. Like, focus on this first and play Pokemon. In you don't schedule. have to be the stigma around what a Pokemon player is. You, be a normal human first who also likes Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you can meet all these conditions and you still have time to play Pokemon, probably we do it. Yeah, we shower. We do every day. We have professional careers. Brush our teeth multiple times. Floss. Oh, I didn't. I didn't know brushing your teeth was a <laughs> <laughs> multiple times. Uh, I don't know, man. We I wipe d- until the tissue is clean. Yeah, I could tell you a story about that. <laughs> 
I'll tell you a story about that. That's. I feel like that's a basic minimum, right? You don't say I'm gonna wipe my ass three times. You don't five. You don't set a number. Yeah. You wipe until it's dry, until it's clean, man. You need to stop there. I'm. I'm. You're teaching me some things there, so I need to reevaluate. You're, 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 you're offending me, but um, get some wet wipes. Some yeah. Wet wipes. There you go. Just finish it Step off up right. your game. I don't know, man. Once you have a kid, man, and those wet wipes are readily available, it's like, oh, how yeah. the fuck did I live without it, man? Right, right. It's just like, get get the bulk off with the toilet paper, yeah, and get the fine finished details off of that baby mm. wipe, man. You'll walk out feeling fresh, right? Yeah, but it makes sense. Can I tell you about the the white toilet paper story? <laughs> Go ahead. All right, so I'm in basic training, and I'm in a division that's integrated with uh, males and females. And, like, we stay in, like, separate compartments, but, like, during the day and training, we come back together and all this stuff. And, um, anyway, sometimes, like, we would do their laundry, and sometimes we would do our laundry just depending on when it was busy. But the RDC there, or what people call the drill instructor, was like, I hate to say this, but I have to say it. You motherfuckers will wipe your ass until the toilet paper turns white, because when you're in basic training... You have to wear what they give you. So we're all wearing fucking tidy whities And the mm-hmm. females are wearing the equivalent of just white underwear. And he was like, and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Weird. And there's like, and they were also like, there's absolutely like, so when we washed our clothes, there was like inspections to make sure that our clothes wouldn't intermingle. Mm-hmm. And kind of so a sign that people were like trying to sneak out of the compartments and fucking at night. Yeah. Is when they would get intermingled, which I don't know. If you go and you're deciding to fuck someone at basic training, I think you'd be not careless enough to make sure you take your skibbies with you. I mean, you mm-hmm. should, your skibbies. But anyway, we're sitting there, and there's absolutely no reason. There's all these checks that, like, you should not be finding a male's underwear in the female's underwear, mm-hmm. like when the laundry's doing. So they're passing out the laundry, and they're doing the females. And they're doing that in their car apartment. And all of a sudden, the female RDC comes across the P-way, and it's this fucking pair of male underwear, and the biggest goddamn skin mark you'd ever seen <laughs> like fucking ridiculous like literally yeah. someone like pro- it looked like someone took a shit in their underwear and was scratching their asshole yeah and like scraped off the bulk later and just like this and we were like oh, <laughs> holy shit because it was fucking disgusting but yeah. it also meant that someone was fucking and the nastiest motherfucker was the one you know getting just some. the one fucking yeah getting some and so um but what was funny too was like he had a chance to explain himself. But what's also cool is our underwear had our names on it. <laughs> so, but so it's he knew like exactly who it was. But here's the thing: new nickname Skidmark. <laughs> oh no, he was no longer around. Oh. But here's the thing, right? You're gonna you're in basic training. You want to fuck? Okay, that's that's your thing. Take your nice pair of skivvies. I mean, don't leave, like, don't fucking run off in a hurry with your shit-stained skivvies. <laughs> also, I don't know how it ended up in the laundry. Um, like, I don't know why someone just didn't throw it away. Yeah. Like, maybe they threw it in the washer. Like, it was, they were like, ah, oh, these are just so nasty. But anyway, um, yeah, just a shit-stained story. Yeah. Like, that, I just can't even, like, it was more brown than white. And it yeah. was disgusting. Like, it just, it was, even though it had been washed, it was like, oh, my God, like, my fucking clothes went through. Like that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So you heard it here first. If you can, splurge on some wipes, maybe. At least go until the paper is clean. But if you can get some wet wipes as well. Mm-hmm. That is our TCD tips and tricks. <laughs> also, keep, keep a roll of toilet paper in your glove box. You'll thank me for it later. <laughs> All right. Okay. It's time. 
for some rogue radar. This has been a pretty educational episode so far. I'm excited to hear about some new cards coming out, you know? Yeah. <laughs> after, after everything else we've heard today. Yeah, it's time to bring it back to the carts. <laughs> yeah, we're not just about- here to talk about hygiene and shit-stained underwears and, and dicks. We're here to talk about Pokemon. Yeah. All right, man. So here it is. Um, there's two cards that I'm especially excited about. Um, it's been a minute, but when we had Glenn from Belgium on, on the show, he talked about... Pokemon that had colorless attacks. The thing that came to mind to me instantly was the Vulpix. The gl- uh, um, when you say colorless, you're talking about free attacks. Free now. attacks. Yeah, yeah sure sorry. Absolutely that. free attacks. Col- it looks like free. a colorless attack without the colorless symbol. It's just this faded little blob in the card. The opacity run. has been reduced. It has been. And so one that came to mind was the Articuno. What was the fucking, um, not Galarian Articuno. Alolan, gl- uh, oh, not Articuno, Alolan Vulpix. Mm-hmm. And for it had a beacon attack for a free retreat. Oh, yeah. Or yeah, for a yeah. free attack cost, you could search for two basic Pokemon. That was one from Guardians Rising, right? Yeah. Oh, my God. And they had another one, Icy Snow, that was just as good, mm-hmm. where you did a little bit of damage and you had a chance to put him asleep or something fucking crazy. Yeah. It was so good. And anyway, we had Glenn from Belgium on a couple of episodes. It's been, a, it's been a minute now since we yeah. had him and we were talking about it, how to bring it back. Well, turns out the Pokemon was listening. They were <laughs> listening to our show. They were so inspired. We're the one that they're listening to. Absolutely. Pokemon's got a sense of humor. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure we're going to get a letter in the mail saying that we need to shut this shit Cease down. Cease and desist. Yeah. But anyway, we're going to talk about one. So they were listening and they were like, you know what? Hmm. That was a good mechanic. We did something right at that point in time. We're going to bring something back. So I'm going to try to say it. Hisuian? Mm-hmm. Hisuian Voltorb. They brought it back. And what is really cool about this, and I love it, it's not as good as the beacon on the uh, fucking um, Alolan Vulpix, but we're going we're gonna to talk about it anyway. It has a free attack, and it reads, you can use this attack only if you go second, and, on, and only on your first turn. But keep in mind, you don't have to put an energy to it. Choose up to two of your benched Pokemon, and for each of them, search your deck for a basic energy card and attach them to that Pokemon, then shuffle your deck. Okay. This is a basic grass Pokemon with only 50 HP, and it has a second attack for a grass that does, like, fucking 30 or something damage. Who knows? So, in theory, you're going second, you're getting three energy out because you're yep. doing a manual attachment. Mm-hmm. You're not having to do it to Voltorb. Yep. And you can use this to accelerate two more energy. And keep in mind, if you go second, you have access to a research. So, it's not like it's going to be that hard to find it. Yeah. Is it you can target this with quick ball, level ball, and I'm sure we'll get some fucking type of grass type search ball. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I might be going off a little crazy, but anyway, it's a good little tech, I think. It's a lot similar. We see a lot of parallels to fucking Arceus. You know, I like it a lot to Arceus or Arceus V Star. And. It's just a really good setup, and it gives you initiative to go second again. I know there is some going second, but mm-hmm. no, it's just more of that incentive, and it pulls, it slowly is pulling away the benefit of going first and ultimately altering or altering right. how the way we play. And what you're meta. potentially losing is the Voltorb on the next turn. They knock out the Voltorb, and mm-hmm. that's not a big deal. You've you know you've given them one prize, but maybe set up two of your main attackers on Without, the bench, right? And if they knock it out, you know, whatever. You didn't lose any energy. 
Yeah, exactly. If they boss something out and knock it out, who gives a shit? You have energy elsewhere. You have yeah, a, you've set up. Mind. You've hopefully, you know, moved energy to multiple things. So it's nice because a lot of times people get mad. Like, you know, Mew could potentially go first. Mew goes first. You know, they could potentially boss mm-hmm. and knock you out on the next Where you're turn. committing your energy before you get to effectively hit the meal. Right. So it's like, well, here it's like, okay, well, if they can come up with a boss, you still have energy reserved onto other yeah. viable attackers. And if they don't get the boss, they knock out the Voltorb, which who cares? It's a one prizer and it did its job. I don't even, I can't even, the Electrode is what it evolves into. Mm-hmm. It's pretty meh. It does like fucking 50 damage or some shit for the same color or free attack. Not worth playing. I mean, maybe... Maybe you find an application for it, but you're primarily going to be focused on the Hisuian Voltorb, and I just think it's a good little setup card. I see a lot of parallels to Wait and See Hammer. Um, we're not going to talk about it, but there is another Wait and See card coming out. Okay. It's like a fucking turbo. We'll talk about it at a future yeah. date, but it reads the same as Wait and See Hammer that we love so much. Yeah. Um, and the next and the final card I want to talk about that's coming out is a stadium card of all things, and it is called Cape Job Bog. Yeah. I think yeah, this is a this is a, a part in the game. I, I oh by the way, I beat Legends of Arceus. It was it was okay, but anyway, it was like a place in there where there's a bunch of fucking like poison Pokemon that shoot mm-hmm. shit at you. It was really fucking annoying, and you didn't want to spend much time there. But anyway, that is in the game. But the stadium card reads: Whenever a player puts an energy or a basic Pokemon from their hand to their bench, you put two damage counters on that Pokemon. Real simple. Um, it, you know, there's we've seen cards like this in the past. Um, and, it, you know, it's similar to Old Cemetery. And I just like it because it provides incentive if you go first or even if you go second, right? Or, like, you say your opponent's not set up and you get all your Pokemon on there. You mm-hmm. can then place this down and force your opponent to either bump it and put their next stadium and like, susceptible. Or if they decide not to, it's just basically it's going to fix the math in some scenarios. Yeah. I just like that there's an option to where if you're not playing Psychic, you know, with Old, um, old Cemetery, it gives you the ability to punish your opponent. And it's just a neat little mechanic, but... Okay, I just want to talk up Cape Jaw Bog for a second. Yeah, more Peko? Yeah. Yeah. Because now more Peko, Kamikaze more Peko. Uh-huh. Like, I mean, this becomes so fucking easy. Kamikaze more Peko. You're going to play three Houndoom on your bench. Mm-hmm. You can now have one as a pivot all the time. It's like a hiding energy. And all you're going to do every turn is play a more Peko, mm-hmm. play a Cape. Yeah. You're more Peko, then you're going to do three single strike roars to it. Yeah. That would be 88 damage counters, which would put it up to 240 plus 60. It's at 300. You can do it turn after turn after turn of 300 attacks yeah. with more Pekka. And with how, easy, how much easier it is, you can find a way to clean up the damage later on. Play fucking glaring. Zigzagoon, oh, yeah, you zigzagoon. know, pick it up, right? You're, you can make a streamlined deck of more Pekos. Hound Dooms, Zigzagoons, four line of Cape of Toughness. And man, just this makes it so freaking easy to hit for 300 plus damage with the Zigzagoons picking up over 300. But I mean, this is like, you only got to do it twice, but this makes it easy to do it over and over again. Well, and something we didn't mention, right? Even if you are hitting the 300, we can also assume that they're going to be doing 20 to that Pokemon potentially when they first put it in play. Right, right, which yeah. is also, yeah, dropping those numbers down. That makes it even more accessible. And also, you could have done four single strike if you really had the ability. Like, there's so mm-hmm. many options, but you're right. They've, they've probably taken 20 damage themselves by playing it. Mm-hmm. 
you're hitting them for 300, that's 320. And if they're 330, you drop one Zigzagoon. You're gonna have one Zigzagoon and four scoop up net in this deck and just pick it up, drop it, pick it up, drop it, you know, as the game goes on. Mm -hmm. And then all of those Pokemon, with the exception of Houndoom, could be retrieved from Rescue Carrier to re rinse and repeat, you know? Just go for it, man. Yeah, but Kamikaze Morpeko comes back. And that will just work against everything. It won't even just be dark weakness. Like that thing will just plow through anything. Anything and everything. And just like fucking easy too. So, so fucking easy. Yep. That that's the where Cape Jaw Ball. Gap <laughs> jaw ball. I can't use this C gape, gape jaw, maybe? Gape jaw. Oh, you have a gaping jaw. I have a gaping jaw. Mm. Okay. A boggy gaping jaw. Sexy. Nice. Well, yeah, I see a lot of merit there. When this card comes out, you better believe I'm going to be making that more back on tap. <laughs> Bringing it back. Bringing it back. You know, that's a nice thing. You come up with rogue decks, sometimes you sit them on the shelf because it's not the perfect timing for it. But if you wait long enough, you might get a card that just, you know, brings it into the limelight. And, and makes your jaw gape. Exactly. Gape jaw. Gape We've jaw come bite. to the end of this episode, and man, we have learned so much. Mm-hmm. Cap things up. We learned about how playing single strike or single strike, single baby is good. Learned how to bathe. Learned how to not be a dick and be a professional all of meanwhile. Um, fucking hell, what else did we talk about? We talked about wiping your ass. Yeah. Keep, keep toilet paper or, you know, wet wipes in your car and uh, just be a good human being all around. Hope this was beneficial to everybody. It's time to say goodbye. If you made it to the end of this episode, we greatly appreciate you. Please take a second, give us a five-star review, and follow us on your podcast platform. PokeRoad wants to hear from you and build a community together. Reach out to us with your thoughts about rogue decks, misplays, and how to avoid being a dick when playing Pokemon. Let's keep this conversation going. You can find us on Facebook at Pokey-Rogue-TCG or email us directly at PokeyRogueTCG23 at gmail.com or at PokeyRogueTCG on Instagram. And, of course, the Discord. Yeah. Someone's already replied to the Ice Rider V and Cheese Platter. <laughs> Not my... I don't look too flattering in there, but you know what? I'll let it roll. I don't... I look decent. We'll, we'll let it go. <laughs> so join us on the Discord where you can hang out, play games with us, talk shit, all that. All that. Maybe maybe offer your hygiene tips mm -hmm. to or, the masses. Or tell us why sometimes bathing... Tell us your bathing habits and tell us why we're wrong. How, how being pungent is good for your complexion or maybe for your fertility. If you do get the opportunity to procreate, <laughs> you know, um, why not having to use those detergents or hell, even natural soaps yeah. boost your sperm count. I think wow. that, that could be, look at this. I think we can, be we can look at some resources on our, yeah. you know, maybe I have an idea too. Maybe on the flex baby flex after this episode, Post some uh, hygiene products. You know, flex what you got in your medicine cabinet at home. Let's see it. Let's see it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Have a good one, everybody. Bye. See ya.